Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Today's message, before we get started, I have a question. How many of you have ever met an alien? Have you ever met an alien? How one? Let me show. If you haven't, let me show you one. Go ahead, media, first picture. There we go. Alien. Alien number one. That alien is seven years old. Let me show you a family of aliens. Oh, isn't that special? 1974, the first winter my family and I spent in Canada. We moved to Canada. And isn't that special that, you know, that was a bright yellow toque I was very proud of because we didn't have toques like that in the U.S. where I came from in my little blue snowsuit that I was so happy about it. It was so ugly. But you know what an alien is? An alien is someone who is living in a country, but they're actually not a citizen of the country. Everyone say in, but not of. In, but not of. Oh, in scripture, guess what? Scripture calls Jesus' followers aliens. Did you know you were an alien? Church online, did you know you were an alien? Put the alien little emoji or whatever that face is in there. Look at the person beside you and say, you are an alien. You are an alien. You are, oh, you're an alien. Oh, here we go. First Peter 2.11. Beloved, beloved, remember, you don't belong in this world. Well, that's interesting. You are resident aliens living in exile. So resist those desires of the flesh that battle against the soul. Say one more time, in, but not of. In but not of, you know this word alien, it's the Greek word parokos. And it simply means this, a person who for a period of time lives in a place that's not his normal residence. Pretty much how we understand alien today. Well, there's a passage that I want to look at, we're going to look at, and this is actually, these first verses are part of a longer passage that we're going to look at. And it's where Jesus zooms in on this alien metaphor in a little bit of a different way. Let's look at John 15, 18 to 19. This is, this is some of the, the final words. This is part of a, a message that Jesus was, he and his disciples had left the upper room where they had just finished the Last Supper and they were walking out to the garden where Jesus was going to pray, where he was eventually going to be arrested while his disciples were freaking out. But on the way to the garden, they were having, Jesus was talking to them and he was sharing some of the final thoughts with them. And he said this, he said, if the world hates you, Know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were from the world, the world would be fond of its own. But the world hates you for this reason, that you're not from the world. No, I chose you out of the world. You're not from the world. You're in the world but you're not of it. Let's say it one more time. In the world, but not of it. You're different. And the world doesn't like different. 
Now, we all know that from the alien movies. Nobody likes the aliens when they come to invade. <laughs> in, but not of. And if you're with us this morning here in the room or if you're tuning in online, maybe for the first time, we have been on a series it's called Live No Lies, and it's based on around the book by John Mark Comer called Live No Lies, how to, how to discover or how to recognize and resist the enemies that want to sabotage your peace. I don't know about you, but I kind of get ticked off when I think there's something that's sabotaging or trying to sabotage my peace. And, you know, we've been looking at the three enemies of our soul. The enemy, the first one, which the devil or coming and how he works is through our thoughts. Another enemy is our flesh, which Jeremy's going to be, he's going to be nailing that one next week. And then the third one is the world. And today we're going to look at this enemy that you might not have known has, is actually your enemy. And we're going to take a look at how Jesus describes this enemy. So we're moving from John 15, we're moving into John 17. And this is where Jesus, his final prayer, and this is one of the longest prayers that he prayed. And he said, and he's speaking these words. He's praying this prayer out loud with the disciples around him, but he's praying it to his father in heaven. And he says, Father, I'm speaking these things in the world. So that they can have my joy fulfilled in them. I've given them your word. The world hated them. Because they are not from the world. Just as I'm not from the world. I'm not asking that you, Heavenly Father, should take them out of the world. But that you should keep them from the evil one. They didn't come from the world. Just as I didn't come from the world. Set them apart for yourself in the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. On their account, I set myself apart for you so that they too may be set apart for you in the truth. Now that's kind of intense. How's this for happy goodbyes? The world hates you, by the way. I'm going to die. I'm not going to be here anymore. Guess what? The world hates you. <laughs> the world hates you. And then it gets really confusing. How many of you have ever been confused by what Jesus prayed? I'm confused. Like the disciples were confused and they had Jesus in the flesh face to face. So if you've ever been confused by the, by the Bible, you're in good company. It's okay. But this is confusing. Jesus, he's like, you're not from the world. I chose you out of the world. But then he's praying, don't take them out of the world. I'm sending them back into the world. So what is it? Are we in the world or are we not? Like, where the heck are we? How many of you felt like that sometimes? I already know where I am. What was Jesus talking about? Well, we're going to pack this. What do we mean by the world? What do we mean when, you know, we talk about the world? And we talk about it in this context of the world being an enemy of our soul. What does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to run away from and retreat from and hide from and avoid everything in the world because it's so big and bad and ugly? Well, no. Some people, even through history, have tried to do that. It's actually not the way of Jesus. And even one of the greatest misunderstandings about maybe you've heard some of you, you know, like church history, you're like doing all the digging in, you hear about all these monks that were out in, you know, they were out in the wilderness and the way places and they escaped the big bad world so they could go live in these communities where they could just, you know, study and worship and, and just be with Jesus all the time. Well, that actually isn't the full picture. They didn't escape from the world. They escaped into wayward places 
that were also key like intersections for trade, for commerce, for business. They, they positioned themselves in some of the busiest hubs so that they could reach people. But what do we mean? The world, that word cosmos in scripture, it means several different things. Just like our word ball can mean I'm throwing a ball at you. Or we had a ball at the party. Or I went to a ball with my long gown. <laughs> this word can mean cosmos. It can mean our physical world. In scripture, it also refers to humanity. As in God so loved the world, the people, that he gave his only son. But this word cosmos is also something darker. And this, I love this definition that John Mark Comer in the book, Live No Lies, he supplies this definition. I think it's so, so fitting. He says, the world is a system of ideas, values, morals, practices, and social norms that are integrated into the mainstream. In other words, the everyday stuff of life. And they're eventually institutionalized in a culture that's corrupted by rebellion against God and a redefinition of good and evil. See, the world that Jesus was talking about in this script, where, in this passage where he's explaining, he's trying to help the disciples understand by praying this prayer out loud. It's like the world hates you. What was he talking about? Well, he was talking about this world that we feel pressing in on us and pulling us in a very powerful way, in a, almost to try to override or distract any desire in us to try to, to pursue God or to love God or to try to follow his ways. That's this force around us. Have you ever experienced that? It's like there's a part of you, so I, mean, I really, I do want to get to know God. I, I want to love him. I want to follow him. But then you feel this other thing that kind of pulls you or you continually are getting distracted. Anybody else struggle with that? And sometimes it's an internal thing, and sometimes it's just external life just gets full on, and it could be all of a sudden life is exploding, the kids' activities are exploding, and we got schedules here, there, and everywhere, business is exploding, and opportunity, opportunity. All of that is the world. See, the world is where lust is redefined as love. It's going to get hard here, so you can either leave now and go to the bathroom, and we'll just say, you know, I really had to go pee, or you can be brave and listen. Here we go. The world is where immediate gratification is being true to yourself, true to your heart. Just do what your heart says. The world is where marriage is for personal fulfillment and not a covenant of lifelong fidelity that reflects God. You know, we've misunderstood what marriage actually is. Marriage is actually for me. Marriage is a relationship that God designed and intended to reflect him to our world so that they could get a picture of what faithfulness and steadfast love is. The world is where Objectifying sex is seen as empowerment, not porn. Where Marxism is the new justice, 
terminating a life is called reproductive justice. And something is considered true because it's a trend. That's our world. And you know, let me just say something about the whole truth trend thing. You know, I think there's something that we just need to, we actually need to remind ourselves on, because this is a big deal. And you know, and, and this, it's widespread social acceptance of an idea or a belief doesn't make it true. In fact, all we need to do is look at history and we find the opposite. We find that the majority is often wrong. And all we need to do is look at something. Now, we can't connect to this because it just seems so atrocious to us. But something like slavery, for hundreds of years, by the majority, thought it was right and it was okay. That this is actually a good thing. We're rescuing savages from their life and we're bringing them into civilization. Colonization was thought to be a good thing. Like this is, how, this is how the majority has been wrong through history. And this is a problem that when we get into a world that is starting to wanting to erase history and negate it and pull it down, that we forget. We forget. We need to remember history, not just the good, but the ugly so it doesn't get repeated. If history teaches us anything, it's that the majority is often wrong. And you know, what was it that overturned slavery? Well, it was primarily one man in England at first, William Wilberforce, and a small group that said, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. And see, much of what we call culture, which, you know, involves art and entertainment and, you know, politics, unfortunately, and, you know, just the Western way of life. This is what this world, this is what, this is the world that Jesus was referring to and what Jesus' followers for centuries considered an enemy of the soul. And I just want to clarify, when we're talking about the world, we're not talking about the people in the world. See, we're not against people. Our fight isn't against people. And I want to say this. Our fight is not against evil people. You need to get that. We need to get that. Our fight is not against evil people. Just say that with me. My fight is not against evil people. Something different. And if we don't get this, we're going to throw out the baby with the bathwater because our fight is actually for people. It's to bring truth. It's to bring hope. It's to rescue. And see, Jesus, this is why I love John 3, 17 in the message. God didn't go. This is a follow-up verse to God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then it goes into, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. This is God's heart, not only for people, but God's heart is for people and the systems in our world that need to be put right God is not against arts and culture. He just sees it's broken in a lot of ways and it needs to be put right. God isn't against politics. He just sees it's broken and it needs to be put right. Hello, we need leadership. 
We do. We need righteous leadership. God isn't against money and the economy. It's broken and it needs to be fixed. God is not against justice. He is a God of justice. It's just the way we put justice out there and the way we try to do it, it is so flawed and so broken. So God's heart is for the people and the systems. He is for the whole world. That's why when you say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. Come in, Jesus. I want you to be my savior. Why don't you just automatically get whoosh, whoop up to heaven? Like that just makes sense right? If it was just about our rescue, why are you still here? Just bop the person beside you say, why are you still here? (laughs) Why are you still here? Do you know why you're still here? It's because we're to be part of the solution and helping to make things right. Not in our own strength, but through the power of God. So how do we navigate this? How do we resist this enemy of our soul? How do we live in the world in a way that we can be and release God's, be a healing presence in our world? And by healing, I don't just mean physical healing. I mean, how can we heal brokenness in our world? How can we bring God's healing into systems that are broken? How can we bring God's healing into ways of thinking that are so broken? How do, we, how do we do this? How do we live in the world but not become of it and yet be able to be in it so that we can release God's healing presence? Well, here we go. Let's go back to Jesus' prayer. I'm going to give you a few points, five things. Number one, you got to know who you really are. you got to know who you really are. I love how Jesus, he says, they are not from the world just as I am not from the world. And see that word from, it's just a tiny, it also is a little word, it's ek. It just, it's talking about origin. It's a word that's re- referring to what's your origin? Do you know your true origin? We need to know and be anchored in the true origin of who we really are. See, any worldview that is absent of God Any worldview that does not have God, not just at the center, but at the front, foremost, predominant. Any worldview that doesn't have God at the front, center, encompassing that worldview. That worldview will always try to uproot you out of your true identity. It will always attempt to take away your true identity. It'll try to... Take away your understanding of the divine origin of your life in order to strip you of power. See, we need to know and be anchored in the true origin. You originated in the heart and in the mind of God. You were not an accident regarding whatever the circumstances were around your life. You were not an afterthought. You were not an accident. You were not a whoops. You were not, oh my gosh, I messed up there. No, you were always thought of in the heart and the mind of God. I love how someone once said, I actually think this was Pastor Mel. Before you were a twinkle in your mama's eye, God was thinking about you. You know, Jesus, where he said, if you lived on the world's terms, the world would love you as one of its own. But since I picked you to live on God's terms and no longer on the world's terms, the world is going to hate you. So here's a question. Whose terms of acceptance and identity are we trying to live by? 
See, the world says do this, whatever this is for you, and you'll be loved and accepted. But you know what God says? He said, I've already sent my son Jesus, and I've done it all, and I've already loved and accepted you before you could ever do a thing. And in fact, if you never do anything to follow me, I will still love you. That doesn't change. God says, will you trust me and believe that I've already done it all for you? And you are already perfectly loved and accepted. See, we've got to know who we really are. Number two, here's the second thing. How do we navigate this in the world but not of it? Number two, we need to understand that our purpose isn't found in the world. Your purpose isn't found in the world. The world, it's hostile. It hates us. The evil one is there. It doesn't want anything nice. It has no nice happy thoughts about you. Your purpose isn't found in the world. And so you might be able to find recognition and success and fun, but it's not lasting. You can't find fulfillment. You can't find true peace. You can't find true joy in the world. See, our purpose isn't found in the world because number three, our purpose is the world. Our purpose is the world. Jesus is not coming back to take us away from this place. That is not how the story ends. He's coming. The very end of the book, the story isn't us whoosh, going away. It's God bringing heaven to earth. Two spheres that were once created together got separated because of the fall. Mankind's sin. But at the end, God's restoring those two together. Heaven is coming to earth. And this is why John, Jesus, just he's, go back to his prayer, John 17, 18. Just as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. You're sent into the world. John 3, 16, again, this is, and 17, this is how much God loved the world that he gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help and put the world right again. This is why Jesus, this is why he died to save us and free us from the world so that he could send us back into the world different. And so that we can partner with him and bringing about and working with him to release his healing power into the world to put it right again. Our purpose is the world to reflect and to bring God's glory back to the world. How do we do that? Well, we do that when we resist the urge of lust trying to convince us, well, that's really love. No, it's not. How do we do this? When we stay faithful and committed when we don't want to. That's how we bring God's purposes here to earth. That's how we help put things right again. We stay together. We don't give in to the world's attitudes about sex. And it's just about empowerment and do your thing and fulfillment. I love this. Statement, the point isn't to take over the world. 
but to stand in our place in the world and to stay loyal to Jesus no matter what comes. How amazing is that, hey? All right, I got to go quick here. Two more. Number four, how do we navigate this? We need thinking bathed in truth. Everyone say, my thinking needs more truth. Here's a statement. Pastor Kevin Gerald, he said this. He goes, Jesus can love you and not like how you think. <laughs> Jesus can love you and not like how you think. Just because he loves you doesn't mean he likes everything about you. See, we can, you can think, you can think however you want and Jesus will still love you. The problem is certain thinking and certain ways of thinking over time will lead us farther and farther and farther from Jesus until pretty soon our love for Jesus is unstable or non-existent. That's why our thinking is so powerful and so important. See, we might believe in Jesus, but not think like Jesus. Not every Christian is thinking the way God thinks. And so you can believe in Jesus and not think like Jesus thinks about how to manage your money. You can believe in Jesus and not think like Jesus thinks about relationships, about sex. You can believe in Jesus and not think like Jesus thinks about your marriage, about your future, about who you really are. And see, being a Christian isn't just believing the right stuff. It's believing the right way about stuff. See, this is the whole process of what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to be a disciple is this process of transformation that we go through where our thinking becomes bathed in truth and we become, we have, we see everything about the world is through this lens of what does God think about this? And then we respond with doing what he's asking us to do. We need our thinking bathed in truth. John 17, 17, Jesus set them apart for yourself in the truth. Your word is truth. And see, this is why what we, we talk about the spiritual practice of reading scripture and getting scripture in us daily. Because God's word is the truth that starts to bathe our minds. Start to saturate us with what's really true. Who's really true. Who I really am. And it's, and it's, just, it's not about a whole bunch of information reading. That we don't read the Bible for information. We read it for spiritual formation. Where our thoughts are transformed to think like Jesus things to have God's thoughts where our mind is so filled with God's thoughts that our brain literally starts to get rewired the stuff that you struggle with you don't have to struggle with those thoughts that fear the anxiety lust the worry the all of the stuff you don't have to struggle with that your mind can be completely transformed it's not through happy thoughts not through positive thinking but through the word of God that is true Here's a couple questions to ask yourself, and then the, I'm going to the last point. Number, here's two questions. In what ways have I been assimilated into the culture around me? In what ways have I been assimilated into the culture around me? The question isn't have I. The question is what ways. 
because we all have been. We all have been sucked into believing things that aren't true. That's what we talked about the last two weeks. Where have I drifted from my identity and inheritance? I love this last one. You know, just before I read this last question, you know, one of the definitions, I love this, of an alien is someone differing in nature or character to the point of incompatibility. It's kind of a good question to ponder. How compatible am I with the world? Okay, we'll move on. That was really quiet. The last one. How do we navigate this? Number five, we need something called ecclesia power. Ecclesia, say that with me. Ecclesia. Ecclesia power. The word for the church in the Greek was this word ecclesia. It means called out ones. That's what Jesus was calling and talking about. You're not of the world. You're called out, but you're sent back into the world to make a difference. See, the church is called out of this world, this culture that's broken, the world around us. We've been called out to be different so that we can go back in and bring change. See, if I'm just like the world around me, if I have no, if there's no difference in me, it doesn't mean we're better than. It just means that when we recognize our brokenness, we're like, God, I need your help here. I really need your help. I know I'm not perfect, but I need your help. I'm really trying here. I'm really trying. We need the supernatural from a different realm power that comes from being in the church. And this is what Jesus, he said, I am praying that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they too may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And again, this is from the book, Live No Lies. The author, he says, after dozens of hours of secular programming coming into our minds all week long, we need the anchor of Sunday gatherings to recenter our minds on truth and open our heart back to God for healing and renewal. Every time I walk in on Sunday and see other followers of Jesus all around me, I remember I'm not alone. I'm part of the new humanity, the future rulers of the world, ordinary and as flawed as they may be. See, this oneness that we experience week in and week out on uh, together, God's church, this oneness together, it doesn't mean we're all the same. It doesn't mean we all even think the same. It means we agree that, you know what, you can think that way, I can think that way, but we are united around Jesus Christ. We are one in Him. And see, that's not just for us and for this to be the safety net and, you know, and then we kind of go, no, we're together because we receive the life of God. That's why we worship. That's why we receive the word of God. It puts power in us so that we can go back out into our world, whether students, you were at school or moms, you're hanging out with other moms or you're at home or you're at work or with your business or wherever you are. And we can bring that life of what God has put in us. We can release that through hope and through being those that are encouragers and not just tearing people down. Man, there's something even just as powerful as a smile. Hello, we haven't seen smiles for two years. Your smile is powerful. Just look at somebody and smile. And when you start smiling at people, man, that is a powerful reflection of God smiling at you because most people think God is not smiling at them. Powerful. I want you to stand. We all stand. 
Man, we can't bring change to something we are just like. And we need that supernatural touch of the power of God in us and on us and through us so that we can stay different, not in a weird, don't want to ever be like that way, but in a weird, different, oh man, I want what you've got kind of way. I want what you've got kind of way. Can you put your hand over your heart and can we pray? Church online, I want to invite you to pray too. We're going to pray. Just can you pray, everyone, all of us, can we pray this prayer together? Say, Jesus, I need you to transform my heart. God, I recognize or I want you to help me recognize where I've taken on too much of the world, where I've taken on the wrong stuff of the world. God, I want your heart for the world. God, I need your power to be different, to live different. Now put your hand on your head and say, Jesus, would you come? Would you bathe my mind in truth? God, restore to me my true identity. Restore to me the picture of how you see me. God, you love me. You accept me just as I am. But I don't want to stay just as I am. I want to be different. God, I need your power. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me with fresh power so I can live and be the reflection of you into this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And just with everyone with your eyes closed, I want you to be so bold. And if you're not usually one to lift your hands, just keep your eyes closed. I just want you to just, just raise your hands. You don't have to, you can raise them full on up high if you want, but waist length, waist height is good enough too. But whatever that looks like, just a posture of receiving. And just quietly just say, God, I receive your love. Holy Spirit, we receive your power. Holy Spirit, come. God, we want to be your church. Not in an isolated way, but in a way that, God, the difference about us is so attractive. Even if people don't get it at first, there's something deep down inside where they, God, they see you, they encounter your love, they encounter your grace. God, thank you. God, we receive that power and that life. In Jesus' name, just as everybody, eyes still close, and we're going to pray one final prayer because, you know, probably someone watching online or even in this room maybe never had an opportunity or don't even know, well, what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? It just means to say yes to the invitation, and his invitation is today. There is no question about it. Every day, today is what Scripture says. Today is the day of salvation. And we're going to pray it for all of us out loud together. And if you've never made this affirmation personal, Jesus, I want to follow you. If you never vocalize that, there's something powerful about saying, Jesus, I do want to follow you. And can we pray this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done to save me and give me a purpose. 
partnering with you to bring your freedom to the world I live in. And Jesus, I recognize I need to be saved. Would you come and save me today? I say yes to following you and living as your presence in the world. Amen. Amen. Can we give him thanks? Can we give him praise? Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc nextstep or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.